On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks wrapped up 2022 in about the worst way imaginable, getting throttled in a 4-1 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'll go over the disastrous performance by the Chicago Blackhawks, and then I'll also get into a preview of tomorrow's matchup with the San Jose Sharks. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. Today is Saturday, December 31st. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well, which, by the way, for those of you who may still be unaware, I will be giving away two free tickets to the Chicago to a Chicago Blackhawks game in the second half of the season and in order to qualify you have to do two things one you have to either leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify in that review drop the name of your YouTube channel because the second thing I am going to do is check who is subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube so for example if you leave me a review you drop your YouTube channel in there and then I go to check if you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks and you're not then I'm going to pick someone else as the winner. In order to win, you have to leave me a review and you have to be subscribed to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. So make sure to go and do both if you haven't done so already. Also, while you're watching this video, make sure to smash the like button down below. And last, ring the bell, turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, what's up, everyone? Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen each and every day. For those of you who are tuning into this on Sunday, let me start off by saying Happy New Year. We have officially crossed into 2023, which is pretty crazy to say. I mean, time just really does fly. Um, But I hope all you out there, that are listening on Sunday, enjoyed your New Year's Eve safely with friends, family, and loved ones. Hope it was a good time and uh, everyone stayed safe. The Chicago Blackhawks, sadly, did not end 2022 on a high note as they got absolutely pounced by the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are the second worst team in the entire NHL. But the reason that is because they're the most injury-depleted team I think I've ever seen, other than maybe last year's Montreal Canadiens. This Blue Jackets team doesn't have basically everyone that you associate the Columbus Blue Jackets with. They don't have Zach Wierenski. uh, They don't have Jake Voracek. They don't have Captain Boone Jenner. Patrick Laine didn't play today as he's still in COVID-19 protocol. They were down Jake Bean. They were down uh, Igor Chinikov, a depth forward for them. Basically, everyone that you associate with the Columbus Blue Jackets, other than maybe Johnny Hockey, uh, all of those guys did not play for the Jackets this afternoon. Yet, the Chicago Blackhawks got absolutely trampled. You would have thought they had another matchup with the Carolina Hurricanes 
uh, it was as ugly as ugly can be. Uh, in fact, it might just be their worst performance of the season. And that's really saying something, considering we're talking about a team that's lost 25 of their last 29 games. They've lost 27 of 35 overall out of all of those 27 losses. I think this one might take the cake, Blackhawks fans, because uh, the final 40 minutes, some of the worst hockey I've literally ever seen this team play. Uh, Let me rewind a little bit before that, though. At the start of this contest, the first period actually was pretty good from the Blackhawks once again. Uh, Kind of a similar storyline to Thursday's game against the St. Louis Blues. Blackhawks get off to a good start. Uh, They finally scored the opening goal. Uh, They've done that both times against Columbus now, and uh, that's the seventh time they've done it all season. Uh, They did, however, surrender the tying goal late in the first period. So it was one-to-one after 20 minutes, but still, putting that to the side, I thought the Blackhawks' intensity, energy, everything was pretty good out of the gate, and there's no doubt about it, that was their best period of the day because uh, the final 40 minutes, the rest of the way, it was basically all Blue Jackets until the final minute, minute and a half, when the Blackhawks actually uh, showed some signs of desperation for the only time. But, yeah, it was just a, a horrendous performance all in all. like. There were so many things that went wrong. The skating, I thought, was terrible. Like, no one was out there forechecking. No one was skating in the offensive zone to to win a battle or to go and win a loose puck, win a foot race. Skating was horrible. And uh, the passing was terrible. It was sloppy. wasn't tape to tape. Uh, It was bad. And they also mustered up a whopping three high-danger chances at five-on-five. Three! You heard me correctly. In 60 minutes of hockey, well, I guess not all 60 minutes were played at five on five, but the time that was spent at even strength, Blackhawks had three high danger chances. And going back to last Thursday's game against St. Louis, they only had five high danger chances at five on five. That gives them eight in their last two games total. I mean, it really is unbelievable how little this offense creates. And even when they do create something, it goes wrong somehow, you know, they either refuse to shoot the puck or they try to make the extra pass and they get cute. It really is beyond frustrating at this point. And something has to change. Something has to give because this was literally the most despicable loss. I think I've ever seen this team have. They basically lost to an AHL squad today. And look, I don't mean that offensively to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have no choice in the matter right now. That's just how injury depleted they are at the moment. And by the way, That AHL-esque roster whooped our ass today. So if I'm talking crap to anyone, it's about the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, And I tweeted this out earlier, but this was one of the few times this season where I was legitimately mad and angry watching a Blackhawks game. And listen, I know what the season is. I know that the Blackhawks are tanking and uh, they're going to be a lot more losses throughout the rest of the way. That's 100% sure. I know that. I know what I signed up for. Uh, And I also realized that, you know, I had people even just in the comments being like, why are you so mad? Blackhawks just lost to the second worst team in the NHL. This is good news for the long-term Connor Bedard plans. And yes, I get that. I talk about it day in and day out. But this was one of those losses where there just aren't any excuses. There's no reason. It's not even the fact that they lost. It's how they lost. I can deal with losses. Like I said, been watching this team night in and night out. They've lost 25 of their last 29. I can deal with losses, but I was just really irked 
about how this game went today. I was also irked, might I add, about the decision to keep Ian Mitchell out of the lineup once again. I still do not understand it. Listen, if Ian Mitchell's going to sit in the press box, we have three options. Send him down to Rockford, trade him, or get him get him in the lineup. Doesn't seem like the Blackhawks are going to do the third, so we got to trade him or send him back down to Rockford because the worst spot for him to be is doing absolutely nothing, just watching the game from up high. Seems like a waste of everybody's time involved. So I was really irked to start off the day that Ian Mitchell wasn't going to be in the lineup. And then I was really irked with just the way the Blackhawks played in those final 40 minutes. It, it wasn't good enough, especially against a team like this, who's, you know, their top line center is Kent Johnson. This dude was playing college hockey at Michigan last year. And again, I don't mean this in a, like a, not talking bad about Kent Johnson, but he's a 19-year-old top line center. He outplayed anyone that we had today. To get dominated against that team, uh, it's pathetic. And I know Luke Richardson hasn't really had to answer for many of the losses that the Blackhawks have had this season. And I don't think anyone's blaming Luke Richardson for the Blackhawks being in the position they're in right now as a first-year head coach. But for this team to have no spark whatsoever, no fire, no intensity in the final 40 minutes, it's inexcusable. I mean, the Blackhawks had 18 shots on goal with 10 minutes to go in this game through 50 minutes. They had 18 shots on goal. Let me remind you, as I talked about in the preview episode this morning, Erica Branson is the best defenseman on the Columbus Blue Jackets roster. Put that into perspective, maybe besides Gavrikov. Gavrikov is quietly a pretty good defenseman as well. Go look at this Blue Jackets defense on paper. It's not good. They're not healthy. It's not good. They're second last in the NHL in goals against per game and in shots on goal against per game. They allow 35 shots on goal per game as an average. The Blackhawks had 18 through 50 minutes. And really, they finished with 28, but five, six, seven of those came in the final two minutes. It was too little too late. And uh, I think it's time that Luke Richardson has to be asked some hard questions. He hasn't really had to answer many this season, but the Ian Mitchell stuff doesn't make any sense. The Blackhawks' inept offense and inept effort in the final 40 minutes against that Blue Jackets team. Holy cow, that was bad. Um, It's just not going to cut it, and I'm just really sick and tired of watching this Blackhawks offense have performances like this. It's now nine of their last 12. They've either put up zero or one goal. Uh, And again, coming against one of the worst teams in the entire NHL that is very, very hurt right now. A performance like this, in my opinion, is absolutely unacceptable. All right, there is my quick fence session on the Blackhawks. Awful loss to Columbus to wrap up 2022. Coming up in just a minute, I will also get into uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, both having an uncharacteristically poor showing in the loss as well. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college sports betting needs this season. You can find all of the latest developments, game scores, game matchups, excuse me, news, and even podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. And BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. And I personally love it because Well, first off, it's both the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, and they literally have everything from the NHL, the NBA, college basketball, 
college football bowl season. They have UFC, which is coming back right around the corner in 2023. All different sorts of mixed martial arts. They got boxing. They even have golf. They really have everything. So head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Segment two, I have to also talk about what I saw today out of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves in this loss to Columbus, because uh, if they play the way they did today, the Blackhawks are not going to win any more games the rest of the way, considering how important these two are to the offense, which is very limited. These two aren't going. The Blackhawks usually aren't going this season. So considering how important they are to the Blackhawks overall success, for them to have a showing like this, it was, uh, I mentioned earlier saying it was uncharacteristic. It was a little bit inexcusable in my opinion. And let me tell you why. I think it was because of the mentality behind these two. And again, this is me kind of being nitpicky. I'm, I'm looking at it from afar, but I don't think there's any denying that what we saw out of Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane was good enough today. It just simply wasn't for Kaner. I don't know what was up with him, man. He, just didn't look comfortable at all out there. It was very odd. And, you know, he just torched this Columbus team on Friday night for three points throughout his career. He's been really good against Columbus. So I don't know what was up with him, but it just, just looked like something was off with 88. Uh, he did finish with four shots on goal, but don't let that fool you. Three of those came in the final minute, minute and a half with Staylock on the bench. He only had one shot on goal until that point, And the aggressiveness is really what was the weirdest part to me about Kane's performance today because I noticed this situation in particular at least two or three times where Kaner was skating up into the offensive zone down the right wing on the right-hand side with some speed. At least two of the times I know he had one-on-one with the defender and had an opportunity to shoot the puck potentially, but instead every time he elected to pull up at the dot and then try to find uh, a teammate coming to help out in transition. And I tweeted this out when I noticed it. While I I understand, you know, throughout the years, if you go and look at a lot of Patrick Kane's highlight reels, a lot of the plays of his are, are going to be that type of setup where he's, you know, dancing over the blue line, has the defender on him, and then he pulls up at the right dot and is either, you know, finding the trailer uh, finding the defenseman trailer, finding the center iceman who's driving the center lane and crashing the net hard, or throwing it dot to dot for a one-timer to his left wing. You see a lot of those highlights in, in Patrick Kane, you know, some of his best moments throughout his career. And I get that. I get that's his forte. That's his bread and butter. Again, this is me kind of being nitpicky. But considering this Blackhawks offense is worse than any offense that Patrick Kane's ever played for. like. Alex DeBrinkett isn't here anymore to shoot those one-timers that, that Kane's trying to get from dot to dot. He doesn't have a, a Dylan Strom or a legit big power center who can drive that center lane and crash the net hard to open up all sorts of lanes everywhere else. And defenseman-wise, the Blackhawks get basically no help offensively from their defensemen. Hell, they still don't have a power play goal since Seth Jones got acquired from the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's now been 113 games since the Blackhawks had a power play goal from a defenseman. Take a moment for that to resonate. 
But considering the Blackhawks offense, there just aren't these pieces around to help Patrick Kane. Personally, you know, after he tries that once, and again, me being nitpicky, I think he has to change his mindset and he has to start firing the puck on net considering the limited amount of chances the Blackhawks are getting night in and night out. Uh, eight high danger chances in their last two games. They've scored zero or one goal in nine of their last 12. Seems like they are regularly finishing right around 20 shots on goal. But for Patrick Kane being one of the true dangers on this team and one of the real threats every time he's on the ice, one of the only threats that the Blackhawks have on their entire roster, I think he's got to utilize that more. And I think he just has to be aggressive in those moments with the puck on his stick. I think he has to realize that he, he's got to shoot the puck. He's arguably the most dangerous shooter that they have. And I know he's always been known more so as a pass first guy, but they need him in the goal scoring department right now. And one thing I thought of is, you know, maybe Kaner's struggles to find the back of the net have played a part in his um, inability to kind of pull the trigger because I've talked about it several times on the show. He's his shooting percentage is uh, right now. I don't know if it's still at a career low as he scored twice now in his past four games, I believe, but still definitely in the single digits and lower than it usually is for his career. So maybe that's influenced his decision-making with the puck. Maybe he's trying to be a little too cute because he's just not getting those same breaks. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was just a really weird performance out of Patrick Kane, I thought. Like, there were just several times where he just stopped skating. Like, in the neutral zone, he just stops, stops skating and go and throw an area pass to someone. It was just like, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, you're Patrick Kane. You're one of the few guys on this roster that can actually go out there and do something, can generate something for this offense. And it almost looked like he didn't have any interest in doing that until the final couple of moments. So like I said, I don't know what it was, but a very odd performance out of Patrick Kane and one that I hope we don't see again for a long, long time. uh, Because if he plays like that, Blackhawks are in real trouble. I just really believe, simply put, he's got to be more aggressive with the puck on his stick earlier on in the game. And then for Jonathan Taves, his puck management was just horrible all night long. Had a couple of real terrible turnovers. One came uh, while the Blackhawks were on the power play. It actually led to the game-winning goal for the Blue Jackets, a shorthanded tally from Gustav Nyquist. Uh, but there were just a couple of instances throughout the game where Taves like didn't look comfortable with the puck. You know, like he was constantly making the wrong decision and then it almost looked like he didn't want the puck on his stick looked like he was like playing with a boomerang out there give it to him get it away from me uh it was just odd his decisions were off looked like he was kind of caught in between a lot so just definitely not one of the better performances from either 19 or 88 in this one Uh, and that's what you know led to the Blackhawks not having a very good night offensively all in all Before I get into this quick preview of the matchup tomorrow on New Year's Day with the San Jose Sharks, I do want to get into some of the top moments and the worst moments for the Chicago Blackhawks in 2022, as this is going to be the final episode of Lockdown Blackhawks in 2022. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you all so much to everyone out there, whether you're listening to today's episode you're watching on YouTube, you're a supporter on Twitter, supporter on Instagram, family, friend, whatever it may be. I just want to thank everyone for all the support over the years. 2022 was an awesome year. 
I dealt with a lot, but I, I thought I overcame it. And uh, I'm really excited where the show is going to go in 2023. A lot of big things coming and I'm really driven to have the show better than ever. So um, I appreciate y'all who are along for the ride and don't go anywhere because it's going to be a very fun 2023. I think the only place we can go from here is up. We hit the bottom in 2022. It was a brutal year for our Chicago Blackhawks. But for those of you who stuck along with me throughout the journey, I really do greatly appreciate y'all mean the world to me. You're the reason why I get up and do this every day. So thank you everyone for following along on Lockdown Blackhawks. But getting into some of these top and bottom moments of 2022, it was kind of funny, Blackhawks fans, because, you know, obviously there were a lot of lows for the team this year. Um, but for some reason, I was kind of thinking there were so many that I, I kind of had a hard time remembering, like, in particular, the worst parts of the year. It was just kind of like the whole thing together was just awful, right? <laughs> the whole year of 2022 for the Chicago Blackhawks was the worst part about it all. The team was miserable. Um, but on the flip side, it felt like, you know, there were few and far between of the, you know, better moments for this team. And for some reason, those were the ones that, you know, popped up in my mind first and were the easiest ones to remember. So uh, getting into, we'll start there, some of the top moments in my mind from 2022. Number one, for me, I might have a little bias on this one because I was in attendance for this game, and it was also my girlfriend's first Chicago Blackhawks game. But number one for me has to be the Brandon Hagel-Patrick Kane double hat trick against the New Jersey Devils. I mean, how many times do you see two hat tricks in the same game, both on the same team? I don't know if uh, very many people out there can can say that they've seen that in their lives. So that was pretty cool and unique to be there for that moment. I think the only hat trick I had ever seen prior to that was, uh, at least in person, was Jonathan Taves in St. Louis scored the overtime winner for the hat trick, which was pretty sweet. Uh, but to see Hagel and Kane get a double hat trick at the UC, that was a moment I'll never forget. So that's why it's number one on my list. Uh, but a couple other cool moments that I had from 2022. Next up, I had Pat Foley's retirement shootout win against the San Jose Sharks. And obviously, Pat Foley, man, it's still wild to think that him and Edzo aren't calling games in the broadcast booth. Still doesn't sit right with me and sure doesn't sit right with a lot of Blackhawks fans listening out there right now either. Uh, but sending Pat Foley off that way, you know, a man who's kind of synonymous with the Chicago Blackhawks in a lot of folks' minds calling games for years and years and years to send him off that way uh, with a victory at the UC was really awesome. And to see him, you know, kind of up in the broadcast booth, drinking a beer for one, one last old time's sake. Uh, that was awesome. And another cool part of that game I'll remember too forever is uh, in the shootout, there was a guy down in the 100 levels with us, not probably a couple sections away. Uh, and you know, I don't want to assume because it just makes an ass out of you and me. I've been told that very much in my life. It, it felt like this guy wasn't like the biggest diehard hockey fan. Like he didn't really know too much about the game, but he was full on into it come shootout time. And every time Kevin Lankin and made a save in the shootout, this guy would chant out Stonewall. And then all the fans around the area on the 100 level would chant back Stonewall. And it was just the funniest back and forth encounter I think I've ever seen between, you know, one fan and then the rest of the 100 level as the shootout was going on. Every time Kevin Lankin would make a save, this guy's 
going Stonewall, and the crowd was right behind him. It was a really fun moment. So that for sure, Pat Foley's retirement shootout win against San Jose has to be up there for me. Um, I also think a cool moment was keeping the Vegas Golden Knights out of the playoffs last year. Some of you may not remember this, but I believe it was the second to last game of the NHL regular season, at least for the Blackhawks anyway. And Vegas needed to pick up a victory to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Blackhawks obviously had nothing left to play for at that point in the season, but they go on and pick up a win over Vegas to knock them out of the playoffs and play spoiler. Those types of victories are always nice when the season's lost. You got nothing left to hang your hat on, but ruining it for other teams, as dickish as that sounds. Uh, it's the truth, and especially for a team like Vegas, um, that always is always a nice little addition. Sorry, Vegas, hate to do it to you. Um, also, I have Patrick Kane's six point six point night against the Anaheim Ducks. Thought that was a really cool one. Kane kills it against the Ducks always in his career. I believe six points is a career high for him in a single game. Uh, what else do I have on here? Marion Hosa's jersey retirement being the first one from that era, the Chicago Blackhawks, to get his jersey retired at the UC. See Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Jalmerson, Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taze, and Patrick Kane all come out to share that moment with Big Hoss and his family, uh, to be there in person, to see that, and to see the video tributes and all the moments throughout the years that Hosa was a part of. Uh, it was really cool, something that, you know, I'm not going to lie, brought a tear to my eye watching that stuff. And it's crazy to think that Hosa's already been out of the league for, what, five, six, seven years at this point? That's absolutely nuts. Uh, the last high point, I would say, or top moment, I guess, uh, from 2022 that I had was getting a general manager with an actual sense of direction. Because for far too long, it felt like we were just stuck in limbo. That's really what cost this team. Not a lot of people probably had that one on there. And obviously, we have to see how this whole thing plays out. But I feel like um, getting a general manager who actually wants to steer us in a direction rather than just trying to replenish and trying to stay alive for as long as possible. Uh, that was definitely something overdue for this Blackhawks team.